Well, good Monday evening, everyone, and welcome to Cal Lutheran here in Thousand Oaks with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is the Week 14 edition of the Coach McVeigh Show. Sean is with us. Congratulations on a ninth win on the road in Arizona. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was a great job by our team yesterday. It's a tough road atmosphere, and, you know, we've got a lot of respect for the Cardinals, and especially coming off a great win against a really hot Jacksonville Jaguars team. It's always tough to go on the road, especially against a division opponent, playing them the second time. And I thought our guys did a great job making enough plays, especially down the stretch when we had to have them to come away with the win. Ooh, all that expectation stuff, man, all this good talk. Uh, don't you love this time of year right now? Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know our, our mindset mentality remains the same. And the reason why these games get a little bit more important is because the guys have taken care of business the prior the previous week, and they're doing things the right way. and we got a great challenge with an excellent Philadelphia Eagles team coming to town this week, but those are exciting matchups, and, and for our guys to be, a, be able to be a part of this game is a credit to really both teams uh, this late in the year, you know, still playing relevant football and very important football. This is one of the youngest rosters in the NFL still. Many of them are homegrown talents. So we talked about this yesterday being uh, the first winning season since 2003. Obviously, small potatoes in terms of your overall goals. But for players like Roger Saffold, who have been there through a lot of tough times, was that almost a weight off their shoulders? Is that a moment to, to celebrate and relish that moment in Arizona? I think you're really happy for those guys because they've done a great job of being a huge part of some of the success that we've had up to this point through the first three quarters of the season. And I think the thing that's been most fun to watch is just you, you've always known a guy like a Roger Saffold, for example, what a very good football player he is, but then watching the confidence grow as the season has progressed. He's been able to stay at that left guard spot. Uh, really intricate, you know, he's been such an important part of what we've been able to do, and he's playing at such a high level. You know, he gets a game ball yesterday, and I don't think people realize how well a guy like Roger's playing. You know, you look at the Michael Brockers, you look at Robert Quinn, the way he's really turned it up the last couple weeks. So there's been a handful of guys that have been here for, a number of years that you're certainly very happy for to see these guys have that success and uh, it just motivates you especially as a coach to want to continue to try to help put them in good situations and see if we can continue with this winning theme rogers turned vicious this year i like it yeah i like his attitude uh, yeah. he's, he's a great football player he's I nasty think, i think he's one of the more underrated guards yeah. i think he's playing as well as anybody uh, especially as an interior guard with his ability to play you know at such a high level both in in the run game and protection you look at what he's able to provide from his athleticism on the second level then in some of the screens that have come out this year uh roger's been been outstanding out of respect for donald you better kick butt you got the best d tackle on your team yeah that means you're playing against not the best guy <laughs> you better kick his tail no yeah. it's it's uh you know you get these guys make each other better and and certainly uh, i think that's one of those situations where you feel fortunate to get good looks by those guys during the week every coaching staff in this league preaches next man up it Fights every team in this league at some point during the season, but your group has embodied it on the field, whether it's replacing Robert Woods, who was the leading receiver, uh, finding a way to replace Connor Barwin uh, this weekend, or even in-game someone like Alec Ogletree, Coach. Yeah, you know, you look at it, Bryce Hager did an outstanding job yesterday. I thought to be able to come in, especially at that Mike linebacker position, where so much of that is you're almost the quarterback of the defense with the communication, some of the adjustments based on what you know a Coach Arians-led offense presents in terms of just being able to make sure that everybody's on the same page and uh, made a handful of plays. I thought he communicated extremely well where guys are all in unison and understood exactly what their role, what the responsibility was, what the call was, and then how that affected uh, the way we were going to execute on that given down. Makes a big pass break up on Seals Jones down the middle mm -hmm. that we ended up challenging. And uh, very pleased with Bryce, and, and he did a great job yesterday stepping in for you know one of our leaders, one of our captains, and Alec when he had to, when he had to go out with the injury. Congratulations on your first challenge win, by the way. Yeah, how about that? That's big, That's a right? Big one. That's uh, a nice give one. Matt Lafleur credit for that. He was yelling, uh, you know, 
we got to be able to challenge that. Didn't get a chance to see replay, so you know it was a great job by Matt, and uh, pretty easy just to drop the flag there. You just dropped it. I was going to say, did you go for distance or just drop it? Yeah, just hey, you watch know, that puppy, man. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> if I was frustrated, maybe I'd launch it. Okay, but, uh, you know we felt pretty confident, so hey. Here's yeah. a challenge right there. Uh, speaking of challenges, man, I mean, Arizona came roaring back on you guys. I mean, they tried to steal momentum, and you blunted that attack. You got the momentum back, and you would not allow them back into the game. That's the sign of a good football team. I think so, and I think it's a mentally tough team. Uh, you know, they did a great job. You could see that they were ready. They came out. They presented a variety of issues, both offense, defense, and, you know, I think really all three phases were instrumental. There was a handful of plays throughout the course of the game that resulted in us getting, you know, the win at the end, but I thought our ability to weather that storm when they did get a little bit of momentum, had a couple scoring drives, uh, for us to be able to respond offensively, you look at Johnny and, and his ability to flip the field with the 70-yard punt, uh, then coming away with a blocked extra point, a blocked field goal, you know, they, I could go on and on about what the special teams has done, and uh, there was a handful of plays on both sides, offense, defense, but but special teams continues to be outstanding and a very, very bright spot on this team. We will devote a segment to each of those phases here on the Week 14 edition of the Coach McVay Show, live from Thousand Oaks on this Monday evening with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Uh, let's go through our Monday injury check. We do it at this time every week, and Alec Ogletree is obviously the headliner. He is, and, you know, he had a little hyperextension of the elbow. That's a very important thing as a linebacker with how much you have to utilize that, that really, you know, your arms in terms of just shedding, being able to work in space and all the congested areas, especially in the run game, coverage, all that stuff. So uh, he is going to be day-to-day right now. Fortunately, some of the MRI results came back negative where you know you're worried they could be a little bit more serious but it's still something that's going to require a lot of treatment from him throughout the course of the week we know the type of player that Alec is he's going to do everything in his power to get himself ready to go on Sunday and uh, that's the anticipation but in the meantime if he isn't you know that's where you look at the Bryce Hagers you look at the Corey Littletons those guys will be asked to step up but hopefully we'll be able to have Alec available and, and ready to roll for us it's happened to me and I've done it to other guys I can't stand the friendly fire part of this game but it happens it does yeah. you know especially when you look at the way that our guys pursue to the football and, and play with the reckless abandon and you know that's something that you do want to always try to avoid at all costs but it is kind of one of those occupational hazards that that will inevitably occur especially with the way that our guys play we've talked a bit these uh, veteran rest days that you've built into this season's practice schedule and obviously that helps them get ready for game day but when you're filling voids and when you're filling in for injuries are you seeing it pay dividends for the players who are getting those reps on Wednesdays I think so you know Alec is a guy that he we've trimmed his reps a little bit and it's it's provided an opportunity I think really Wade and his staff do an excellent job of kind of getting everybody some reps you know so that they can kind of be aware and at least go through physically and mentally some of the things that that a normal practice week requires, but then getting ready for Sundays. And then, you know, you look at it specifically with Samson, I think it's enabled him to get a lot of reps that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise if he was backing up another player kind of in that same – you know, experience level where he needs those reps. And mm-hmm. because you have such a special guy in Connor Barwin ahead of him, we've been able to give Samson more reps. And I think it's both served our team well and Samson uh, to be able to get, you know, get those reps in and then be available and try to translate that to the practice preparation equal in a game reality. Even though they scored, he almost made the play on the goal line from a left end spot. He did. You know, you, you yeah. see him show up uh, consistently, made a handful of plays. You watch the speed, you watch the explosion, the length that he plays with. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good things from Samson and we're very encouraged with him. Two other names on the injury report that we want to get the latest on. Malcolm Brown was listed as questionable, not quite ready, it seemed like, in Arizona. Yeah, we wanted to be smart with Malcolm. You know, Malcolm is a guy that obviously at that running back spot and then some of the things that he does for Bones and the special teams, uh, you want to be you know, very smart with a player like him, especially coming off a knee injury. And uh, we feel like this added week now will provide him you know, those additional days to continue to recover and uh, you know, just rehab that injury. And, and hopefully Seattle, or Seattle, the Philly game this week is 
a, is a good target, and we're expecting him to be ready for that one. Will Robert Woods be in your ear convincing you that he's ready to play the better. Eagles? I'm sure he will, and, uh, you know, th- those are positive problems. Uh, we'll see. You know, Wednesday will provide a, a little bit better idea of kind of where we're at with Robert, but the type of competitor he is, you know that he'll want to do everything in his power to get ready for this one. One segment in the books. We're coming back with more. A look at the offensive performance on the road in Arizona with the ninth win of the season as the Coach McVay Show continues from Cal Lutheran on ESPN LA. All right, Rams coming off a 32-16 win over the Arizona Cardinals. They sweep the season series in London and then on the road in Phoenix. With Marco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. This is the Coach McVay Show, Week 14 edition. Philadelphia Eagles coming to town next. We will see you Sunday at the Coliseum. Uh, let's dig into the offensive performance on the road uh, a week ago. And uh, I really like how high the bar has been set for players in that locker room where they come off a performance like that, and guys like Roger Saffold are saying, we're actually a little bit disappointed that there weren't more sixes and sevens and threes yeah you know i think the guys have continued to raise the level of expectation that they have for themselves and and the way that we've got to produce and you know specifically when you just look at uh part of being a mature football team being a good offense is handling some of the elements that you inevitably have to deal with on the road and it starts with me but i i was uh you know i wasn't pleased with some of the things we did yesterday and a lot of it goes to credit to arizona both their fans and some of the looks that their defense and coach coach betcher provided but we were not nearly good enough in terms of handling we had some things that uh you know were were mistakes that we can't afford to make delay of games uh some illegal formations different things that you know are uh, real you know it was disappointing and it's something that uh it starts with me i've got to do a much better job and then our communication and just the expectation in terms of handling the mechanics of operating on the road we've all got to do a little bit better job but uh ultimately it, it, it falls back on 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 my responsibility to make sure that we're a little bit more on the screws and i think when we've got great players like we do uh we can afford to overcome some of those things but you don't want to have to do that uh but to our players credit that's why you know good players uh, make you look like a good coach and I thought those guys made a handful of key plays that ended up resulting in us getting the win but I think overall just in terms of the operation out of 62 snaps there was really 13 plays that we could pull out uh, collectively that we all know that uh, you know different people had their hand in it but we've got to be better as an offense it's not really about one individual it's about us collectively as a group doing a better job that starts with me and I think the players responded the right way and they understand that and how important that's going to be as we try to improve going into the last quarter of the season. When it does happen and you do have a pre-snap penalty and you have to move back I always say now is not the time to get mad or coach or get panicked because now it's it's first and 15 and you have to pick up the first down i mean how do you have to do that how do you reconcile that on the sideline as a coach i think that is exactly the same approach that we want to take to marco and and that's why you were a good player is because <laughs> you know certainly there are you want to avoid them at all costs but when these things do occur let's not let it compound let's have that next mind next play mindset and mentality where nobody blinks nobody flinches but we can't afford to have as many as as what did occur yesterday uh, if we're going to play at the level that we expect to. And, and I know the guys feel that way. And I was disappointed with myself and just the overall communication in some of those situations right there. But uh, the players did a good job responding, and there was a handful of plays where they did a nice job of not letting it compound and then being able to overcome it within the framework of that drive or specifically that next play in a lot of instances. Let's start with the uh, Gerald Everett touchdown. Uh, tight end widely regarded in the league as one of the toughest positions to come into as a rookie and make an impact. I wonder if you subscribe to that theory and if you have any thoughts on that and then how do you see Everett in year one and Higby in year two 
kind of on a good trajectory to grow into the roles you see them in long term. Yeah, I think Gerald's done a nice job. You know, you, the one thing that you can feel about Gerald is is the game is not too big for him. He's got a confidence. He's got a great demeanor about himself. And uh, when he's gotten his opportunities, I thought he's done a nice job delivering and making some plays this year. And certainly that fourth and one was a huge play yesterday. You look at Jared does a great job kind of just being able to sit in there, let him clear that window where Dansby kind of dropped out of there. But he wins against Buda Baker, who's a very good football player himself. And those guys are able to connect on what was a huge huge play for us but I think the trajectory for both he and Tyler the arrows pointing up I think they got a great coach in, in Shane Waldron who does an excellent job uh, giving them clarity to the position because that tight end spot specifically you're asking these guys to do it all uh, both in the run game pass protection some downs detach from the core run a variety of routes attached so those tight ends really have to be able to be kind of a combination of the linemen and the receivers and that's where there's a lot of above the neck information that they have to absorb just because of the hybrid role that that tight end position has you know with the nature of the position in general but specifically with the way that we utilize our guys and I think they're getting better and better I think they'll be the first to tell you guys that they can continue to improve but Shane's done an excellent job and and very pleased and Derek Carrier made a nice play yesterday as well uh which ended up being a crucial play to get us in inside the five-yard line on a big catch and run. Look out when he catches it in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah, another He's guy looking for juice. me. Uh, I was asked this question, and uh, I gave the answer. I think this was inevitable to begin with, but Sammy Watkins, his production the last two games. Some people want to say it's because Robert Woods isn't here, so that production has moved over to him. I said I think this maturation process for, for Sammy Watkins was coming anyway. If, if Robert was in the game, you'd still see the same guy. Am I right with that? I think so. I think you're exactly right. And Sammy's a guy that you always want to try to feature. Uh, anytime you look at he's a special receiver, and, and you see the respect that teams have for him just based on the way that they'll match up with you. Peterson is a guy uh, looking at Arizona yesterday, and even going back to the London game, kind of the same deal where they have him play on who they deem one of the best receivers on the other team, and that's typically what you see from a matchup standpoint or somebody that you want to put one of your best corners on. And I think that demonstrates uh, the way that people respect Sammy around this league, but I think it is part of the maturation process. He and Jared continuing to develop a rapport, and then they, you know it's about making sure that I do a good job of, of calling enough plays where we're getting it versus the looks that we want and, and try to get a special player like him involved, and, and he's done a great job these last couple weeks. Let's touch on Todd Gurley, another 100-yard from scrimmage performance, a lot of it's in the passing game, the screen game, which has been so effective for you. Uh, final quarter of the season, Obviously a ton at stake, but how do you manage Todd, who's given you so much in terms of reps uh, so far this season? Todd's going to continue to be a focal point of our offense, and really I think his ability to take good care of himself has been instrumental in in getting him to this point You know, through 12 games. Want to make sure that he is still healthy, but you also don't want to lose sight of getting this guy the ball. I I look at it a couple times yesterday. They were playing some heavy loaded boxes, but you still have to find a way to get Todd going in the running game. And, and that's really, it's not about getting him going, it's about giving him the opportunities. And I've got to be mindful of that and, and make sure that you don't get too far away from it. But then also uh, finding ways to get him the ball in the pass game is a real credit to Jared getting him involved, being able to get through some progressions and use him as an outlet. Or there might be some plays where he is the primary, and, and you guys can see what he's done with the ball in his hands. You give him a little bit of space, and, and you see why he is the dynamic playmaker that he is. I was going to ask you, how do you coach a guy like? that that's giving you everything he's got on every single snap yeah you know you you kind of just you, you feel fortunate you just kind of let continue to try to just let him do exactly what he's doing there's always a couple things here and there but Todd's a special player he's playing with a lot of confidence he's been instrumental in a handful of plays especially in crunch time when you've had that when you've got to have it and he's a guy that's consistently delivered really through the first 12 games of the season and it'll be the same for us this last quarter where we'll really lean on him heavily to try to continue winning 
Jared Goff's uh, single rushing touchdown on the season came in London against the Cardinals, and it looked like a very similar play. You tried to get him into the end zone on again yesterday. Yeah, you know, we did, and, and it was something that, you know, th- that's a very poor job by me of handling the clock at the end of the half in that instance where, you know, if you add it over again, uh, clearly a, an amateur mistake by me that if you did it again, you know, you'd probably, after the eight-yard run that Todd has, you'd burn the timeout at about 30 seconds because the approach is let's not try to put our defense back out on the field, but let's give ourselves enough of an opportunity to try to score a touchdown here when we've already ensured ourselves a field goal. What happens is uh, when you've got a chance to gain another first down without actually scoring, you still, with that 30 seconds, and then you'd have another timeout left as well, give yourself a chance on second and two to potentially throw it, run it. If you do run it or like we did there, now on third down, you're not so kind of handcuffed to where if we run it in there, Jared converts. Now you at least have some time left to use a timeout, maybe get a couple shots to the end zone, and then kick the field goal. And those are things that get you beat in this league and, and that's a mistake that I got away with and I've got to be better for our team but that was hopefully something that we were going to be able to get kind of a similar result JB it didn't work out that way but the fact that he still got the first down and we didn't get an opportunity to really go for a touchdown um, is just a result of me mismanaging the clock and, and that's something that you learn from. I understand what you're saying at the end of that drive coming back from the two minute drill but when you start that drive you're on your own 20 mm-hmm. with 318 to go and the Cardinals have just put 13 straight on you you know they're going to receive the third quarter kick is that almost more like like four-minute mode football rather than a two-minute drill when you start that yeah, possession? Yeah, I think the, the start is always when, whether you know they've got some momentum or not. The first goal of any of those two minutes, specifically at the end of the half or some of those situations when you're at three minutes, is let's not put our defense back out on the field. So as opposed to your approach at the end of the game, it might be a little bit more conservative where you're going to be more inclined to run the football, try to eat up some clock, but also don't want to lose sight of the goal is to try to get some points. Mm-hmm. And in, in, you know, in that specific instance where we did get a couple plays where we got ourselves in scoring position. Now we know we've got a field goal already and we're going to try to use as much clock as possible to not put our defense back on the field where now they can attempt a two-minute drill. So that's why it's a fine line, but if you are smart enough, like I should have been yesterday, to say, okay, instead of letting the clock run on the first down play where now it's second and two, you run a play, the clock continues to run, and then you don't use the timeout until before the third down, you still have enough time to get a couple more plays off if you get that third down because you're not used to saying, all right, I can get a first down without scoring. And in that instance, that came up. Mm-hmm. But we don't give our players a chance to really go for the touchdown there because I mismanaged the clock at the end of the half. I thought it was a good call. It's just Dansby made a pretty good play on the ball. Well, I appreciate yeah. you guys, man. <laughs> I like yeah. the support. You guys make me feel better about I'm just about saying. It. I mean, the guy made a hell of a play on the ball. you got to give him credit, too. But, I yep. mean, that's, that's something you can teach young coaches. I mean, third and one on the four with nine seconds. What sure. do you do? Yeah, yeah. Put you in that situation. Let's see what what you call. Yeah, yeah. and no, and that's that's something that it's easy to kind of correct in hindsight. But those are sometimes the situations where if it ends up being a three or a four point game that goes in the other team's favor, uh, those are things that get you beat. Oh yeah, and, and you yeah, can't yeah. afford to mismanage those situations. And it's funny because we try to do a good job every week of being mindful of that. And there's so many that come up that you can't prepare for all of them, but at least you can try to put yourself through the exercise of how would we handle this. And I think Bones does such a great job every Friday he kind of goes with some situations around the league presents it to the team where you just kind of put yourself in that mode of how would we handle this and it's funny that the teams that consistently handle those situations the right way are the teams that are winning year in and year out you see New England as a great example all the time of handling situations the right way and those are the things that we have to do and and I got to do a better job for our team in those instances we'll close this segment on offense by noting that Jared Goff became the first Rams quarterback to eclipse 3,000 yards passing in a season 
since Sam Bradford 2012 and the fastest to do it since Mark Bulger 2006. Also did it against Arizona, coincidentally, in the 12th game. We'll flip sides of the football, talk some defense, and another phenomenal special teams effort as we continue this Week 14 edition of the Coach McVeigh Show on ESPN LA. All right, we continue with this Week 14 edition of the Coach McVeigh Show with DeMarco Farm, J.B. Long, and Sean McVeigh is with us here at the Rams facility at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks, coming off a road win at Arizona. Now they welcome the 10-2 and Philadelphia Eagles. Let's talk about some of the defensive performance. Uh, you had some tough knocks. Uh, losing your middle linebacker is not a fate you would wish on any team in the middle of the game, but uh, let's kind of just take it chronologically. LaMarcus Joyner gets you uh, an interception on the first play of the game, his second of the season against Arizona, and that puts your offense in prime position to build the lead. Yeah, no, LaMarcus, what a great competitor he is. He provides such a spark. Uh, watching the transition that he's made from pretty much exclusively being a nickel in a corner to the safety spot has been nothing short of, you know, uh, extremely impressive. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy that you just absolutely love the demeanor that that he brings to our defense. Uh what a great open field tackler he is. Made a handful of picks this year, and uh, that was a great instance right there. We were in a two-safety coverage. They had a bootleg. He kind of kicks out of it, you know, as he's playing as a deep defender and does a great job of kind of flipping himself around. Uh, Kayvon Webster's in a good position to kind of play everything from top down. It's a little underthrown, and he makes a great pick and does a good job getting a good return as well. And he made a handful of plays throughout the day where he just shows up over and over again, and uh, you got to love that guy. Goal line shot. That When he turned on the gas across the field after the pick, yep. when he put his head down and ran I mean, oh yeah yeah that's exactly hey we don't sleep on lamarcus's speed man <laughs> he had when he had the pick you know in london as well great return and then he also had the one earlier in the season where he undercut the route against indianapolis and you look at him digging out right there he had his head down he bursted all the way through the end zone so lamarcus has some juice man and it, and it shows up when he gets the ball in his hands all right if alec hadn't been injured over the course of the game what grade would you have given him maybe in the locker room for that flip at the end of his pick six mm-hmm. You know, unbelievable air on the landing, very poor. Uh, but, no, he's he's a great athlete, man. We said you better make sure that you're in before you start flipping. Uh, but very happy for Alec. You know, he had the one against, uh, you know, a couple Houston. weeks ago. Yeah, it yeah. was against Houston that ends up getting called back. So uh, he makes a great play. And then to be able to have the athleticism to finish is a real credit to him. And thought he made a handful of plays, you know, before he had to leave that, that were instrumental in that game. Well, uh, when you're watching him out there with one arm, I mean, yeah. what were you he's thinking? He's such a great competitor. you got to protect him from himself because he's not going to come he's not going to take himself out of the game uh the competitor he is the leader he is so those are the instances where we've got to be on the screws we've got to be in tune with our players just as much uh as they are on certain things within the framework of the game and that's a situation there where we've got to get him out and protect him from himself just based on his ability his ability to utilize that arm at a spot that's so critical to be able to have it once you did get him out, though, and it mostly occurred after halftime, Bryce Hager steps in and you take away that final drive where you're playing prevent. You give up 2.7 yards per play defensively in that second half and only three points. They did a great job. You know, I thought settling in, I thought our coaches made some nice adjustments. And, you know, Coach Aarons did a good job of being able to get them into a little bit of a rhythm where they got some scoring drives. And uh, to be able to stop and slow that momentum down when we're up 16 nothing, they kind of start storming back. Uh, we were a little bit slowed on offense. And then, you know, I thought just for our team to be able to regain their poise and composure coming out of the half uh, is kind of one of those things that I feel like is becoming an identity for this team, and that's a real credit to our players. Uh, and like I said, I think the coaching staff did a great job making some adjustments, and then the players ended up executing at a really high level and, and very pleased with those guys. And, and Bryce did a great job stepping up and Alex Boyd. I didn't do a player count, but I thought some of the backup interior guys played a lot more than 
than than normal. Am I right about that? They did. You yeah. know, I thought it was good just to be able to get those rotations. You know, when they're able to get some drives going, I think Billy Johnson does a great job being able to substitute. And if you're up and active on game day, we've got a lot of confidence in your ability to execute. And I think especially from the D-line spot, when you look at just the effort, the energy that every single snap requires, nobody knows that better than you, DeMarco. Uh, it's important to keep your guys fresh, especially for those known passing situations when you got to find a way to win your one-on-one. And if we're getting a four-man rush, we got to find a way to create because somebody's going to be one-on-one and our ability to win those matchups is going to be critical to getting these guys off the grass. And just like Todd towards the end of the game, you want to have Donald Brockers fresh to get after the quarterback no to end the game. Yeah. That's absolutely right. You know, you want to be smart about having them in there, but also having them in there at the right times and being their best when their best is required, and I thought that's what Billy did a good job with yesterday. Rams have six sacks in a game for the first time since the 2015 season opener. Donald had two of those to your point. Did you know that Aaron is just a half-sack shy of passing <laughs> the man to my left? I did not know that. I do know that he's got eight list. for the year, yeah. but uh, well, hopefully we get past you this week. <laughs> he's going to lap man. me. Yeah, that'd be good. That's a good thing. Yeah, we, being passed by a great player. Yeah, we, we mentioned Brockers in there too. Uh, he suplexes uh, Fitzgerald oh. early in the game, but then on special teams too, we can use that as a segue to the the groups that played so well yesterday on special teams. Boy, he blocks that field goal to keep your lead where it was. It was huge. He did a great job, and then you look at uh, Ty Walker getting the extra point mm-hmm. blocked earlier and. Uh, there was a there's a handful of plays, and I just feel like special teams that, that continues to be the theme with these guys, and uh, certainly that is not a phase of our team that goes unnoticed or underappreciated. With what a great job John Fossil and Ty McKenzie have done, putting these guys in good spots week in and week out, and, and we've got some great players that have been instrumental in our team's success because of the way special teams has been able to perform consistently throughout the year. I mean, what a present you have, and uh, one of the best punters ever. Yes, yeah, he is a I mean, special a player. We'll just flip to go. Over. Four punts, yeah. 51 8 in average, you know, and have the 170 yarder. Uh, it's nice, you know. Uh, the offensive coach in me still steams every time that he's got to go out on the field to punt, but it is a nice luxury to be able to have, and certainly we don't want to give Johnny the work where he's getting four punts, but when he when he does do that, uh, it, it's been big, and, and he's done a great job this year. Another 30-yard punt return from Farrell Cooper as well to help establish some field position. Uh, the penalties on punt return, they are stacking up a little bit, but I wonder if that's almost a factor of how badly your guys are, com- are want They want it. They're competing. Is it, it is. Is it an era of commission as opposed yeah, I, I don't think it's ever for a lack of effort, you know, but, but we've got to be smart and we've got to handle those situations better. That's been a big point of emphasis really for the league and really Bones does it every week where, uh, you know, just some of those blocks, some of the positioning and where you've got to be in regards to where the returner is and how you go about that. Uh, the league does a great job of kind of picking points of emphasis every single year that you don't want to say they over-officiate, but they're very mindful and in tune with watching every little thing if you're not in sync. And that's been a big point of emphasis. And uh, the guys will be the first to tell you that they've got to be better. We cannot continue to have those penalties show up because when they don't, when we play penalty-free football, specifically in the return game, you look at how consistent we are able to get some great returns because of the design, the execution, and uh, those are things that you, you know you just you can't beat yourself with, and that's where you've got to be smart with your decision-making and when you utilize some of the techniques that Bones is coaching these guys up on. Mortar kickoffs. When, when they go high and short, yep, that's a sign of respect, which means we're afraid of your return game. Yeah. Is that what I'm seeing? I think so. You know, and, and I think you'd have to talk to the opposing team as far as exactly what their approach is. But uh, we've had a great return unit, both in the kick return and the punt return. A lot of it goes to, to Farrow, but also you look at the way that the other 10 guys are competing in some of the schemes. Uh, you know, anytime that you're able to have success in any phase, it's a credit to the unit. That's what you love so much about this game is it's the greatest team sport there is, and, and everybody's relying on everyone to do their job 
job and how important that is for the outcome of every single play. And, oh, by the way, another 56-yard field goal from Greg DeLeg to match his season high. Ho-hum. Yeah, we continue with this Week 14 edition of the Coach McVay Show next with the segment we call Audibles. It's your direct line to the head coach. We'll take your questions coming up on ESPN LA. All right, welcome back to the Coach McFay Show. We continue with Week 14, a preview of the Philadelphia Eagles on the way. We're here in Cal Lutheran with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, kind enough to give us uh, a few thoughts from the audience every week, and we start with Alfredo in this segment we call Audibles. What motivational techniques, Coach, do you use to keep the Rams constantly trying to improve over the course of a season? Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at it, there's a lot of different things throughout the course of the year that you can use, whether that be things that come up in the games, things that come up on a day-to-day basis in practice, but I think the starting point for us is we've got our core beliefs and our core values that we always bring it back to, and that foundation is is key for us, and you hear us always talk about our process and our standard of performance and you know with our process it's always our you know what our process really is is our weekly our daily our hourly rhythm that's focused on that daily improvement and daily excellence and then with the players we talk about a standard of performance which we expect to establish and maintain the highest level uh, of performance with regards to our approach our preparation and then hopefully it leads to the good performance so we kind of always bring it back to that but I think there's good examples whether it be around the league or in other great arenas of of competitors that are different ways to kind of keep the players engaged and then bring it back to what's important to them. But when you've got great players like we do that are about the right stuff, they kind of, um, you know, monitor themselves and they stay motivated to do the right things consistently because of who they are and the football character that they've got. Uh, questions from our audience in this segment, and every week I'm reminded of uh, how far beyond Los Angeles our audience actually is. This one from Ireland, Fioc nice. Murphy. How do you feel the offensive line did against Arizona, and does the Eagles' pass rush concern you? The, I thought the line did a nice job. You know, I think, you know, credit to the Cardinals. They did a lot of things where they came out and attacked us, and they played a lot of single high structures, brought some different pressures, really tried to put some stress on us. You could see a big point of emphasis for them was to try to stop and slow the run game down that we had some success with against them in London. And I thought they did a nice job presenting some different looks and then also uh, doing some things to try to keep us off balance. But I thought for the most part they did a nice job. Uh, you know, we, we've got some pretty high standards for those guys, and there's certain things that we can clean up but they played well against a front that uh, provides a lot of different problems in the way that they can create some pressure, both from a schematic standpoint and then when you look at some of the players like a Chandler Jones and some of the things he's been able to provide, there's a reason why he's got 13 sacks on the year because he's an outstanding pass rusher and uh, he's a guy that you've always got to account for. But just getting in the early stages of preparing for Philly, to say that you're concerned, I don't know that that would be the right word, but you certainly have a whole lot of respect and you realize this is one of the best D-lines in the league and we've got to be at our best if we're going to compete to the level and, and try to get a W on, on Sunday. Gavin Parberry next up. Uh, Rams are up against the play clock a lot, it seemed, against the Cardinals. Was this due to crowd noise in Arizona or the defense changing things up late? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of the things that we've got to do a better job of. Very disappointing uh, in terms of, you know, some of those overall mechanics, and that starts with me. You know, as the play caller, you got to do a great job of getting it in, in a timely manner where uh, we've got to have that urgency and always know where that is. But those pre-snap penalties, whether it be the delays or things ticking down, uh, yeah, you could say it's a result of the crowd noise, but those are things that we 
knew we were going to have to deal with going into it. I've got to do a better job of putting our, you know, try to create some pressure-like situations in practice where you can mimic and emulate it where it's never going to truly be exactly like that. But I think I can do a better job. We could do a better job of creating more pressure scenarios in practice to try to mimic those so that when it does come up, we've got a little bit more urgency in terms of how we operate and try to avoid those negatives that did occur yesterday. Uh, like golf, are, are you a stare-at-the-tee play caller? Do you worry about results? Are you on to play two? When you make the call and the ball is snapped, yeah. you worry about the result of the play? And oh, absolutely. Want- okay. Yeah, the, the because the result of the – now what you've got, always got to have, DeMarco, is based on the result then, okay, so for example, right, second and ten. Gain first down, what's my thought? All right, now it's third down and five. What's my thought on third down? So you've kind of always got to have two plays in mind based on that result. So absolutely, but as opposed to just saying, what's my next play? You've almost got to say, based on the situation and the scenario. And that's where a lot of it, uh, some of the game planning and the way that you go about your weekly preparation is playing the game before the game. And you have to anticipate. And that's why sometimes you almost try to memorize things where, Okay, now it's second down and 10. Oh, man, now we're in third and 15. What's my third and 10-plus menu? Or now it's a gain first down, but now we're into the red zone. So how can we be timely with our decision-making, operating against a 40-second play clock where you get it in, you might have to substitute. And I think for the most part, our guys have done a nice job. we got some young guys, and, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I've made a handful of mistakes. I've certainly done that this year, and uh, won't be the first time that I'm saying that, but you always try to look at yourself critically and improve. And uh, while you, you never want to have some of the things that do occur occur if you can look at it and learn from it the right way especially just being uh, it's, this is not an excuse but it's also a respect for the experience level that a lot of guys have that I just don't where your third year is calling plays I feel a lot more comfortable than I did the previous year from the first year and you'd like to think that you just continue to improve like the players and hopefully avoid some of the negative situations that I put our guys in this year this segment is called audibles your questions submitted through social media directly to the head coach Sean McVay uh, Rami LA what is happening with Malcolm Brown and Lance Dunbar what's the latest in the running back yeah room? Lance was able available yesterday, and I think uh, you know he could have played some more snaps if we needed him to. But certainly, uh, the way that Todd Gurley was playing, you want to keep him involved. And and if he felt good enough to go, you know we wanted to keep him on the grass. And I thought Skip did a good job being able to manage the game and being in tune with Todd and how he was feeling. Um, as far as Malcolm is concerned, I think he will be available for this game. Uh, if he is, you know that definitely gives us a booth boost boost both on offense and on special teams because of the type of player Malcolm Brown is, and and, uh, we'll be glad to have him back. L.A. Rams Club of New York next up. Uh, Is the offense becoming too check-down reliant? Is there such a thing as checking down too often? Uh, No. No, there's not, because when you look at who we're checking things down to, uh, he's able to create with the ball in his hands, and I think it's a real demonstration of the maturity that our young quarterback is playing with to be able to get through progressions, because in a lot of instances, sometimes Todd is the primary, but in a lot of instances, we might be in a six-man protection where he's actually utilized as your outlet just in terms of the way that you coach him up, but for a defense to be able to maybe take us away, or sometimes things aren't there in the timing and rhythm, to be able to dump it down and have the awareness to be able to both get through the progression, and then also say, this guy that I'm checking it down to is a pretty special player with the ball in his hands. I think it's a credit to those guys. You know, certainly you don't want to you don't want to say, all right, I'm not even looking at one and two and get to the check down in rhythm, but the way that Jared's done it, the way that Todd's been able to create on those check downs, I think has been very beneficial and, and instrumental in some of the success that we've had. Some of the analytics companies have him as a very highly rated back in pass protection among his peers in the NFL. Does the film that you guys have and the analysis you guys have in-house support that too? Yeah, I think he's 
he's done a really good job, you know, and, and I think that requires both a, a willingness from a physical standpoint and then also an understanding from an above the neck uh, to know when am I utilized based on whatever the protection call is and how that affects my pickup responsibilities. You look at yesterday, it didn't work out. We had a long attempt down the field to Sammy Watkins kind of on a three vertical, on, on a vertical concept when we were in kind of a bunch to our right side. They bring five guys to a side, and you watch Todd have the urgency and the eye progression to be able to come and pick up actually Hassan Reddick, who came uh, internally, and, and then Jared was able to step up and move. But those are just small examples of, of Todd continuing to grow and mature. And I think you're seeing one of the most complete backs in this league week in and week out with our guy. We always save uh, one out-of-the-box question for last here on Audible's. James B. Terry has the honor. Who is the most exciting athlete in L.A. not on the Rams football team? <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, man. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know that I'm in tune with anybody else other than the Rams right now. Bad time of year to, to be asking to be able you that to question. Answer that right now. Usually season. I'll get a little bit more in tune with NBA basketball and certainly have a lot of respect for what the Dodgers were able to accomplish watching those guys. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and wait until the offseason where I can give you a little bit more of a Fair appropriate enough. answer with some uh, substance <laughs> where, I know what, where I have a little bit better idea what I'm talking about. Uh, last question is for me, not for Sean. JB, can you please let Coach McVay know that he has made Rams football amazing to watch again? That's from Mo Elam, and we get a lot of those each week. So I like I'll Mo. just pass that nice. along. Thanks, yeah. Mo. Appreciate that. It's it's been fun. You know, a lot of great players to work with and great coaching staff. And I think that uh, is certainly something that doesn't go underappreciated. What a great job our assistant coaches have done. Talk about being able to come into a seamless transition where there's a lot of great leaders in place that have made things uh, very smooth and, and very beneficial You know, in the role that I have. And you don't take those guys for granted, and they've been great. All right, we'll break here, and we'll come back with a preview of Sunday's contest at the Coliseum against the Eagles as the Coach McVay Show continues on ESPN LA. All right, final segment of what's been a very enjoyable edition of the Coach McVay Show with the Rams coming off their ninth win of the season. Now they welcome Philadelphia, the Eagles at 10-2. and two. Uh, Having just taken a loss on Sunday night in Seattle, interesting how the league schedule works out sometimes where we're literally flying home from Phoenix and we can watch yep. that game on, uh, on our seat backs. Uh, were you looking at that with a critical eye or more than just like a fan's eye on, yeah i think i think as a fan because you know uh in a lot of ways you, you're interested in the game because it's two of the premier teams in this league going against each other and i'm, I'm a fan of the game so mm-hmm. i think you saw you know what we just mentioned two great teams going at it back and forth a couple turnovers that end up really kind of being the difference in who wins and who loses but what you could see is this is why uh these are two teams that are in playoff contention that have played really well uh and and a lot of high level uh high caliber football last night just being able to watch it there and then when you can get into kind of the all 22 the coaches film that's when you can start to kind of analyze it uh, from a specific game plan approach standpoint but uh, you could see you know Seattle did a great job Philadelphia is a team that doesn't have any weaknesses they're truly one of the most complete teams in this league and there's a reason why they're 10 and 2 after 12 games what a treat for the LA Rams fans here I mean the epicenter of football is going to be here this weekend what a titanic matchup. You live for matchups like this. Yeah, this is exciting. And, you know, it's the next game, so it counts as one. We'll continue with the same approach, and our preparation will be consistent to what it's been throughout the you know the regular season for the first three quarters. But I think for our players, what you love about these types of matchups is uh, people get excited about it because two teams that have done a nice job through the first three quarters of the year, uh, it's a matchup that people will, will anticipate. It should draw a great crowd and uh, happy for our players that they put themselves in a position to play a game like this in our 13th game of the regular
regular season, and these are ones that you get excited about. It'll be billed as Goff versus Wentz because of where they went in the 2016 draft. We'll be guilty of that as well. But from your standpoint, Carson Wentz probably doesn't play much of a factor into your week, I imagine. No, he's, he certainly plays a big factor into the week when we're talking about the Rams versus the Eagles. But, you know, what Jared's got to worry about is how to attack the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and what Carson has to worry about is how to attack the L.A. Rams defense. So any time that you, you have two great quarterbacks going against each other, certainly that becomes a story, Jared versus Carson. But this is about those guys trying to execute at a high level against the defense they're going against. But uh, more importantly, it's about the Rams versus the Eagles, and there's a lot of great individual players that make up uh, two good teams in this matchup this week. I do hear a lot uh, teams that you're getting ready to play coming off a win or coming off a loss. Does it matter to you? Uh, you know, you try not to let it affect you because the consistency is the truest measurement of performance. And whether we come off a loss or a win, we expect the approach to be the same where there's going to be things that we can look at. Certainly it's a little bit more enjoyable after those wins. Uh, human nature tries to tell you that maybe your level of urgency is raised after a loss. But I think with the type of guys we have, what we try to do as a coaching staff is try to remain consistent. And, and if we do that, we feel like that will serve us well. But one of the things, whether they won or lost last night, you know the Eagles are going to come in here ready to go. They've got a lot to play for. Their next win, I want to say, clinches the NFC East for them. So they've, they've got a lot at stake, uh, especially in this game right here. Uh, the East is on the Rams' schedule this year, and you complete your lap through it. Many of those teams wound up on the front part of your schedule, but here we are in the, the final quarter, and you see the last team that you're kind of used to f- seeing on your regular right. schedule from coming from Washington. How much familiarity is there? How different are they than when you saw them last? Yeah, you know, uh, any time that you play a Jim Schwartz-led defense, uh, they play with great effort and energy. They do a great job playing fundamental, sound football. I think when you look at it, uh, they are pretty consistent. They've added a couple different pieces that can to add to the depth that they do have on the defensive side of the ball but they've been a great defense since he got there and I think when you look at the great defenses around this league one of the things that really stands out is their ability to make you earn every single yard they play very sound you don't get any gimme type plays against them and I think much like what we saw in Minnesota a couple weeks ago this defense reminds me of them uh, not necessarily schematically but in terms of everything you get is hard earned and they play really well together uh, they're in unison They've got a clear-cut philosophy. They come off the ball aggressive. Uh, they can create pressure with some of their exotic looks. They can create pressure with the four-man rush and play, whether they want to play their three-match principles or man coverage behind it. And they got the guys to cover. They're a very fast overall defense, and, you know, it's going to be a great challenge, but one we'll be excited about. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just watching them play, uh, you have to have, like you said, a lot of respect for their, their personnel, but obviously in the way they prepare. Like you said, on both sides. There's a lot of pride on both sides, similar to what you guys are doing here. Yeah, and, and I think when you see those complete teams, you look at their offense scoring a lot of points. I want to say they're averaging right around 30 a game as well. Uh, quarterbacks playing at a really high level. they got receivers and tight ends that are making plays on the perimeter. they got a handful of backs that they get involved. I think Coach Peterson does a great job mixing up the personnel groupings. Uh, you know, you look at just getting to Jai, you know, he's been he's made an impact on them offensively. Zach Ertz is one of the most productive tight ends in this league. And then you flip it over to defense. Fletcher Cox is outstanding. You look at what Timmy Jernigan has added to their rush. I've always thought Brandon Graham was outstanding. Uh, they've got a variety of guys that they rotate through. You know, you look at the rookie Barnett from Tennessee, who's done a great job making an impact. Then you get to the second level. Michael Kendricks can run. Uh, you move to the back end. They've got a handful of corners that can cover. I think Malcolm Jenkins is one of the premier safeties in this 
this league, and, and we all know what a good player Rodney McLeod is. Uh, you know, he does a great job playing in the post, and uh, when they want to utilize him as a as a as a you know a guy that they want to blitz, you know, he's got a great feel for it and, and a good knack. And you know, it's it's good players, it's great coaching, very sound, and uh, you know, you see quickly why they're one of the best in the league. You mentioned the stakes for the Eagles just a moment ago in terms of their chance at the East. Uh, that opportunity not available to the Rams necessarily this week, but we all hope it will be in the final quarter of this season. How much are stakes and implications on your mind as you go week to week here? The nice thing about it, JB, is is if we continue with the same mindset of one game at a time, one week at a time, everything else kind of takes care of itself. And I think our players understand and appreciate that. And you have a tendency, especially now when things become a little bit more clear on how some of the scenarios can play out. But what's important for us is to do everything in our power to have a great week and try to get our 10th win against a great Eagles team. Real quick, yes or no? You got a tree yet? Uh, it was being delivered, I think, hey. probably as we speak. <laughs> I mean, it's going to smell good at home, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You get there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your time again this week. Good luck in preparation in all three phases. We wish you the best on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Congrats. Always enjoy it. All right, Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr, and JB Long signing off from the Coach McVay Show at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. Have a good rest of your evening here on ESPN LA.